So again, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Welcome to Live from My Drum Room, the Modern Drummer podcast. And um, let's welcome all the way from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Let's welcome. There he is, <laughs> Ron Danette. Good to see you, pal. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. Man, so I'm glad we're doing this today while you're at the shop and not I know you were going to be heading off to your farm for a little vacation, but this is this is like what I think of when I think of you. I see like drums behind you and parts and hoops and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So Well, there's drums on the farm too, so um <laughs> I'm sure it could have yeah. been just as much fun there, but yeah, no, this is, uh, this is home. Great, man. Well, first, uh, congratulations. I know I, I've said this to you in text messages and other places, but I want to say here on the show, congratulations on your latest acquisition milestone percussion, which I know it's been a, a little bit now since you've, um, since you've had it, but that's, that's exciting. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited about it. Um, let me just turn this down a bit. As a matter of fact, if you can see right there behind me, yeah. that's uh, one of the pre-production prototypes that I'm, I was working on last night. I'm not used to building 10 lug drums, but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, and I've got one on my, my practice kit behind me here right. and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. It's, it's so cool to do that whole George way, you know, routine again, and, uh, the, the whole learning process of going back to a, a brand that was iconic when I was first starting out. And, you know, it's just one of those minutes, one of those moments where you, uh, ask yourself, how did I get here again? <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, and so when you said you're not used to doing 10 lug shells, that is that a, that's a snare drum yep. behind you and you most in your Dunnett drums and, um, Dunnett drums and your George way drums are eight lugs typically. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay. All, all of the George way drums and all of the Dunnett ones are eight lugs. Um, and yeah, but milestone were 10. And when we were trying to figure out how we wanted to the initial, uh, uh, introduction is going to be what we're calling the founder's model, uh, sort of a homage to Michael Clapham, who was the founder of Milestone. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the blessing of his estate, we wanted to honor that and sort of make it a special reintroduction. So we're doing a hundred of those in uh, three different finishes. We're doing copper, gold, and silver sparkle in three sizes, sort of just... Wow a mishmash of everything just to sort of uh, get us rolling and, and get the brand out there again. That's great. How long has it been? I, I, I remember the drums as well. I remember them from maybe the seventies and eighties. Um, when did uh, they stop well, making drums? Well, <laughs> that's going to be, uh, I'm going to ballpark it here. I, I know that uh, the IP sort of came into effect at 73. And so I've sort of backdated a little bit to 72 mm -hmm. conveniently making this the 50th anniversary, which is again, Perfect. part of the reason for this. But uh, yeah. in, in, in my opinion, uh, the timeline of milestone, it started with Michael Clapham 
and I believe about 12 years after uh, he started it in 72, it uh, it ended. And in the interim, in between the time that uh, Michael stopped making drums and March 6th, 2022, when I uh, officially acquired the brand, uh, the there was no milestone production really to speak of. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. Because, you know, Ron, I was thinking ahead of time, most guys that I know, you know, they have two drum companies. But for you, that was, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> I don't know anybody other than you and Don Lombardi who has two drum companies. So, well, well, Don, well, Don and I are, are um, sworn enemies and in very, very deep competition, constantly trying to acquire as many brands as possible. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. I, that is not lost on me. I'm like kind of going, well, how did this happen? Now I'm like, going, well, yeah, I know that it was three companies. It's like Don Lombardi. <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say three, actually. Technically, with doesn't own Gretsch, but he's got Gretsch and now yeah, Slinger. Yeah. yeah, I know. I was thinking like, you know, two drum companies weren't enough. So make it three. But um, so you, and you started you started with your own Donette Classic Drums, right? That was the first foray foray into making drums for you yeah Yeah. it's funny how you you, it actually wasn't going to be Danette classic drums at the start i was um the whole concept began because i was being transitioned out of my government job uh i worked for the government of canada for a long time and they had sent me for retraining and I could pick anything I wanted. And so I went into computer sciences and it was when the internet was at it in its infancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one of the projects, the assignments that we'd be given is create a website for a fictitious company, like just make one up. And so I did that and it was called Snarecraft. And, I, you know, cause I'm a big aviation buff and I figured, Oh, you know, what if I, I did a, you know, uh, uh, aircraft themed drums and did the logo. Cause I always thought, you know what, those guys who named drum companies after themselves, <laughs> what a bunch of egomaniacs. And then it's <laughs> like, I'm like going, and then I found a font and I was like going to that. And I was like going, yeah, I don't want to be like, everybody is Joe Blow custom, your name here, custom drums. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. going, I don't want to make custom drums. I want to make classic drums. Yeah. Who's doing that? It's like, Oh, so um that's how that happened wow well and and the little bits and the 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 branding the marketing actually existed before even made a drum so that's um, interesting yeah Yeah. crazy how it all came into play like that that's and then and then you acquired the george way um brand name basically right then you started making and and maybe you know maybe give a little history i mean i i know some vague history but i think people would be really interested if they don't know the history of george way and what the, what you know what became camco from george way correct and then yep. later dw so maybe you could talk for a minute about how all that came to be it will be impossible for me to talk for just a minute yeah because um but <laughs> I, I do know, love talking I, I do love talking about george and it's all i'll take any opportunity to um to talk about him because he's so important to to this very day anybody who's playing a modern drum set owes him uh, a, a debt of gratitude 
he was so prolific, it, not just in um, the, the number of companies he worked for, but just the designs that he came up with before anybody that have stood the, t- the test of time. Mm-hmm. And as I was going through, when I uh, acquired his uh, estate, basically his personal possessions, his records, his files, everything, going through that, um, I learned how he was a genius. He was absolutely, you know, there's nobody in the industry right now, this far in a hundred, more, more than a hundred years later, that can compare to the uh, mark that he left on musical instrument manufacturing and drumming. I'll give you an example. Um, this is uh, uh, just a standard, you know, tuxedo lug. Mm-hmm. We use the uh, the modern day version of this is there's a little insert that goes in that holds the little swivel nut. We've all seen it. It's on every drum kit in existence right now. And that was his invention. He was the first guy to do it. Not only did he do it, you'll remember that we used to, when they manufactured these, they used to put a spring in here and everybody would go, Oh, the spring makes noise. And they'd wrap it in foam and they'd do that. His initial design had the modern version. I don't know how we ever came to use springs because he had it right the first time. So, um, you know, the guy who basically invented the modern lug introduced the China type called it the Chinese sneeze symbol at the time. And I popularized that first guy to wrap a drum in what was then known as pyroline. We now know it as rap. Uh, he invented the dual, the parallel throw off uh, those knob tension drums, which was a great idea, but bad execution. Um, and uh, God, yeah, there's a few more things that I'm missing there, but uh, wow. uh, amazing designer inventor going through some of his uh personal belongings uh like i've always felt a real deep affinity with him he's like a a grandfather who passed away before i i got a chance to meet him but he he had boxes of graphic design items and uh, books font books this and he was the one who put together all of those leading topics um, books and I was as I'm looking through this stuff I'm like well God in the time before computers uh, or cell phones or anything he was not only creating great drum designs but also doing graphic design and m- marketing in a way that it, it's still happening today so he was I call him the da Vinci of the modern drum set yeah. but he was he was so much more than that that's so cool. I I didn't know any of those things. I mean, I, I I knew, you know, just from what I've read, and I think stuff I've heard you talk about, you know, just that he he was an innovator in in many ways. But I didn't realize, like, you know, the the lug design, as you say, that that in itself is huge. I mean, that's just yeah. I, I mean, that's, well, that's it, the standard. You know, it's it, it absolutely is, and and having access to that has also made me understand see things in a completely different perspective. And I'm trying to think of an example. Um, well, for example, the, the aristocrat lug, the one that I'm currently using on production now, I know that some people look at that and, and they see the similarity between that and the, and the Camco. Mm-hmm. 
and the and the DW lug. But the interesting thing is, those lugs are actually a variation of his original design. Hmm. His original design is the one that's now on the aristocrat drums. And it's sort of like, oh, that's just a, you just put those little things on. And it's like, no, this, this was actually the original design. And then somehow for whatever reason, it got modified and then went into production. And that's why one of the reasons why I really wanted to put the aristocrat log on again, uh, just because I thought it's such a unique version of art deco. Yeah. Yeah. Probably my favorite lug next to next to the beaver tail. So, so by the way, I don't know if you're looking at this, but Jim Catalano, our very good friend, <laughs> just, he just put, Hey, Ron and Joan, I'm just trying to be a Ron <laughs> <laughs> He liked that. Uh, well, Hey, you know what? Hey, uh, Jim, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Jim a Yeah. We're all trying to, well, I'm trying to be like both you guys. I'll just say that right now. So, um, that's hilarious. Um, did you have a background in making drums before you decided to make this change in your career? Like you, you knew what you were doing when you decided to make your own drums or did you? Nothing special because I think, um, and I'm sure that you can confirm this, that when you're a young drummer and you're starting with beginner's equipment and, and you're looking at the drums that your heroes are playing, um, you're naturally inclined to want to do things to, you know, fix it up and hot rod it or, or do whatever. So, uh, you know, starting on those, my first drum kit was a set of black backs when single heads, Peter Chris was my hero. The whole reason I actually even started playing drums and wanting to like, okay, I'm going to do this and this. And yeah, as you get to progress and, and get better, the mechanical side of those things always, uh, appealed to me and, and wanting to make them better and improving them. And, uh, geez, I think I had one beginner kit. I must've painted it four or five times from everything from <laughs> Porsche red to the electric blue. Um, so that's really how it started, but I have no background in engineering or, um, design or anything like that. I, um, just managed to put a couple of good, good, uh, uh, qualities together and, uh, and somehow make it work. Amazing. Amazing. And do you do everything yourself, Ron? I I've never asked you that. I mean, do you have, are you, are you like a one man shop basically? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I do have, uh, a, a few people and I wouldn't, they're not employees, but at some point, when you reach a certain level of production, you have to, you come to the realization that you, you just can't do everything to the standard that you want to and do it all yourself. And so uh, early on, I uh, uh, assigned the, the shell production uh, to a, a friend who he's, he's been a, a basically a silent partner in Danette since it, since it started. And, mm -hmm. Uh, he never wanted to, he just enjoyed what he was doing. He's sort of like, uh, I'm Steve Jobs and he's Wozniak. <laughs> and uh, and his name is Al and he's been my uh, fabricator uh, pretty much since the days of making prototypes. So 
I, I, there's a saying that I, I, I think of often, and I don't know if it was me who said it or someone else, but you know, never, I never let my ego get in the way of a good idea. Uh, That's great. And further to, to further expand on that, it's like my shop, and I used to be a little ashamed of it, actually embarrassed, but this is a single car garage. That's my workspace. It's extremely small. I have to, it's, it's been a management uh, space management issue since the day I started, but now I look back on 30 years and I go, you know what? Uh, I have nothing to be embarrassed about. I, I, the shop, the real shop is in here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh 500,000 square feet. So <laughs> <laughs> it probably, and I'm guessing all kidding aside that like 30 years ago when you were, I'm going to give away your age, 29, almost 30, because uh, you got a birthday coming up soon. And I know what, I do. what it is, um, yeah. but you probably rightfully so at that young age, you thought like, man, I need a bigger space. I need, you know, for, you know, it's like you look at things differently when you're younger, correct me if I'm wrong. And now you can look back and go, I have all the space I need to do what I do. I I'm, you're one of the major players. And like you say, it's, it's, it's really up there. I mean, you, you know, you can conceive so much up here. And then as far as execution, you have the actual physical space to execute what you can conceive up here. I, yep. That would be my theory on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. And uh, don't get me wrong. I feel those limitations all the time, but at the same time, uh, it's a point of pride to, I don't know how to say this. So sometimes when I'm at a NAM show, which I'll, I mean, that's a thing that passed for me now, but in previous NAM shows or any of the drum shows I've been to, I look, I do take a moment to stop and look at where I am. And I always come to this realization that, uh, I got here on my own steam. I got here standing in this exact spot, turning a screwdriver, making drums and selling them. And I propelled myself and my company to those places where I've been and I've done it by myself. There was no bank loans. I didn't even finance it with a visa card. It was all completely organic. And I'm so happy I did it that way. Sometimes I just compare and contrast and I go, you know, and I would see the uh, the corporate crews there complaining like, oh, yeah, ma'am, I hate this. And, blah. <laughs> and it's like when your hotel room is paid for by your company, your flight yeah. is paid for, your wages are paid for, your benefits, everything that you get from working for somebody else. And um, I, it always made me feel a little, uh, it made me think, it made me think about my position versus everything else. Let me apologize for being one of those whiny corporate people all those years when I. Uh, you were never you were never whiny. I don't think I never heard that. No. But anyway, no. But you're absolutely right, man. You're right. I mean, all these people that can come to the Nam show and somebody else's dime, and you're footing the bill for everything, and it ain't cheap. It ain't yeah. cheap. And it's and it's not easy. The logistics alone are, you know, a nightmare. But I have to say. There was one of the most, one of my last NAM shows when everything moved to Hall C. And I remember standing there looking and going, this hall would be 
otherwise empty were it not for the entrepreneurial spirit of people like myself. And, uh, you know, I just looked around and there's so many small independents that are driving mm -hmm. uh, the industry and what we're doing and, and some great ideas, you know, like the, the Scott McPherson's tackle equipment, just when you look at stuff and you think, now there's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. And then someone comes along and goes, yeah, it's been done before, but nobody's done it like this. And uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's part of that information that, that um, mentoring that I give to when I give that type of information to guys who want to start up, it's, you know, you got to find a niche and there's got to be continuity. Those are the yeah. two, two big things. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that's that's great advice too, and and I could see you being welcoming to like some young person coming up to you at an AM show saying, "Hey, I'm thinking about getting into building drums," and I I would imagine you'd be welcoming in terms of saying, "Here's what I can tell you, whatever the do's and don'ts are," rather than not giving them any advice at all and feeling like a competitive threat. I could see you, you know, kind of welcoming welcoming them into it, and and I I get that from you. There's like this spirit of like, let's all. The pie, you know, the pie's not huge, but we can all work together. We can all make it work, you know, all, all of us, like, you know, as you say, independence. And um, I, I love that spirit that you have and that a lot of the, you know, independents have when you go to, when you go to Hall C at the NAMM show and, and you see those rows of, of people really just putting their blood and sweat into it. It's inspiring, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll just say this too, Ron, I mean, it it maybe took me leaving a big company to really fully appreciate that too. I mean, I, I, I did appreciate it at the time, but when I would go to NEM as a civilian and I'd come by your booth and just hang out with you, it really, you know, I, I mean, you're like, you're there all day. You don't get a lunch break. You don't get to go do something, you know, you probably nope. get one bathroom break if you're lucky, you know, and you're, you know, I was, no. I was never that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I have the biggest bladder in the world and it served me very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh no. God. Well, I, you know, I, it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely changed. You know, the whole, I mean, talking about the NAM show, it's happening right now as we speak, in fact, and um, yep. be interesting to get the reports later. I, 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 I wish the industry well, I think as you do and hope that, Things continue, um, but we'll see, you know, we'll see. I, I, I have to say, I, I think, I think of the many silver linings that uh, COVID had, um, the, the addiction to NAM was a, was a, a good break because I think it, uh, the absence of what it took to go there, uh, gave everybody an opportunity to reevaluate and uh, rechannel some of those resources. And, and that's certainly what I did. And it, I, I came to some really important realizations that, um, uh, that you're right. The industry is changing. And I think yeah. that this thing is, you know, I, I think about music Mesa and those were some of the, the best happiest memories of my whole career was you know going to frankfurt for that show and mm -hmm. the vibe and the energy is as, as 
nasty as that place was sometimes it was like <laughs> i just want to be here man i know it's awful but uh so yeah 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 so so uh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip around a little bit here. I want to go back to you being a drummer because um, I, I feel like I, I've heard you. You did a great interview, by the way. I want to tell everybody, um, if you haven't listened or or I think it was probably just a podcast, the interview you did with Bart Vanderzee for Drum History Podcast was really spectacular. And um, Thank you. I'm going to give a little, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're welcome, Ron. And I'm going to give a little plug to you and to Bart to check that out. Um, Bart's whole thing that he does is fantastic i think really really well done but um but i but you know i've heard so much about you as a drum maker and i'd love to know more about you as a drummer you know because i mean that's where it all started for you did you play you played like in high school bands and like rock bands and i uh had a a, a tough uh, adolescence and it resulted in me ending up in in foster homes and group homes and the last one that i was in uh, they just happened to have a drum kit and we were told that we had to either take uh, a martial arts course at the YMCA or we could play drums. And the added bonus of that was the music a teacher was in uh, a town about an hour away in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, but it meant that we got to go on a road trip and being the troublemakers that we were, it was a great opportunity. Of course, I really did want to go for the drum lessons. Uh, I was, and I think it was, I don't know, maybe four months in, I brought a tape recorder and, and sat down with a music teacher. And I said, I, I, I learned a song. I want to play it for you. And she said, okay. And I played Elton John's version of Lucy in the sky with diamonds, note for note with this tape recorder. And when I was done, I was like going, and she goes, I can't teach you anything anymore. Wow. And I'm like, Oh no, I just screwed myself out of a gig. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but that was, you know, that was how I started playing. And, uh, eventually, uh, uh got us, like I said, the small little max wind kit and yeah. yeah, that's where it all kind of began. I ended up going on the Canadian, uh, bar tour circuit, <laughs> which was like, Oh my God. That was an eye opener that it took me two months to realize that I never want to be a touring drummer yeah, ever. Oh my God. So I have the greatest respect and understanding for those, but it's funny how all those little uh, lessons you pick up as you go. These they're just little building blocks of this career, this foundation. Um, and it, it, if you're aware of it, it, it serves you really well. Right. In, in just dealing with drummers in, you know, in the industry now uh, and, and that kind of thing. But I, um, as far as drumming goes, when I uh, moved to Vancouver full-time, I ended up working with a guy named Doug Millage. And uh, that was probably the apex of my career because I was, we did an album. I think we spent a year on it and I was able to go. I was, able to do anything I wanted to. I was my own engineer. It was a beautiful studio that had some uh, fantastic uh, amenities and opportunities and, uh, and, and, and big concrete rooms and, and huge spaces. And some of the sounds I got, I was like, going, I love this. Wow. I love yeah. this. So, um, but now 
this has kept me so busy. I miss playing. Uh, I was going to ask uh, you, do you, do you get to play at all these days? But not really. You know what? If, if you saw, if you saw me, I did uh, uh, years ago, uh, I did a thing in Seattle uh, celebration day, which was a charity event. And that was fantastic. I was like, I don't know why you asked me, you know, there was Michael DeRogier and, and mm. Bill Rieflin and, and all of these fantastic drummers. And it's like, Hey, do you want to play a song? And I'm like, yes. And uh, so that was fun. And then, and then I did one recently at the London drum show, they were doing what was supposed to be a Keith Moon tribute. I'm still haven't been able to figure out how it was a Keith Moon tribute, but I did go and play <laughs> uh, the seeker there, which was, a lot of fun so oh man yeah um, i really do miss that i yeah. yeah yeah that was good and i'm not a fancy technical chops drummer and and it's you know people go what kind of music do you play and i'm like going do you like motown you ever heard of motown that's my thing i like i like groove stuff yeah um i'll throw something in there i i, I like to i like to throw this in there i when i do my workshops I say, there's one thing that you and every famous drummer, all of your idols have in common, uh, the Carter Bofords and the Neil Peart's and everybody. It's that when you sit down on that drum kit, it doesn't matter how proficient you are, whether you're just learning or whether you're a master, the level of enjoyment that you get out of playing that instrument is no less than what they get. And that's the most important thing yeah. to remember when you're playing that. It's like, that feels so good. <clears throat> feels good for that guy too. He's just playing more notes, maybe. That's right. That's, that's a really good way to put it in perspective, you know? And um, I was just going to say, I can totally relate to what you're saying in terms of when I had stopped playing, when I was working, you know, full time and, and had a, you know, a busy job. And those few, few times that I got to play, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I had those couple of moments, right? Where you're at a, at a function and you go up and you play like a, a Beatles song or a Stones tune or like a Who tune, which would be really cool. And you go, oh shit, I got to get up now. Really? Just the one song, you know what I mean? Like, so I totally know what you mean. You, 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 uh, I, I kidded myself for a long time thinking I didn't really miss it until I got back into it. And I'm like, oh, how did I ever not do this? You know? Mm -hmm. but, but I, but in your case, I mean, I, I, I totally get it because there's only so many hours in a day that, that, you know, you, you've got, yep. well, I, I, I do make time for it. Um, I have an EAD hooked up to my little, I don't know if you can see it there behind me very well, but that's my little, oh yeah. Here, let, me, yep. let me see. Yeah. Where, yeah. I don't know if you can see that there or not. No, probably not. I don't want to move that camera too much, but, um, I have my little rig set up here. I've got my little George Way hot red kit and yeah, uh, yeah. swapping out snare drums on that thing all the time. In fact, when I was waiting for you, I thought, well, don't get lost because, you know, I'll, I'll sit down. I'm just going to play for 10 minutes. It's like <laughs> an hour and 10 minutes later. It's like, oh, geez, I'm late. Yeah, yeah. I just pl had played a gig last night and uh, I would normally be, you know, play a little bit today. But after a gig, I just need to just, my body can't do it anymore. Like, it's almost like you know i just take it it's like my day off so this worked out perfectly 
We have yeah. a gig well, I, I remember seeing you play. I was really happy I made it to oh, that gig. That that was that's a right. lot of fun. I'm like going, oh my god, this is great! Like, I finally get to see this guy play, and and you know, and and you're like a left-footed drummer. You're you're such an <laughs> anomaly. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thanks for making. I mean, you were like all over the place on that trip, and I I, I was so excited to see you. I. I I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised because you said you were coming and there you were. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. But, yeah. That was the highlight of that trip. I, I remember that. Uh, I don't remember a lot of stuff, but I do remember that. And it's like, uh, oh, this was cool. What a, what a cool. And, we, and I think we closed the place down that night. Absolutely. If did. I remember yeah. correctly, it's like, no, yeah. this is uh, yeah, it was a cool hang. It was, it was very cool. Thanks. Yeah. That was the place we just played there a couple of weeks ago and uh, a place called Palmer's and Andover Mass. Uh, kind of a regular spot. So I, I remember, yeah, it was great. Um, I want to, I want to ask you just, and I, I think I have a, I, I think I was making some notes before and just with regard to the three drum companies, the Danette classic line, the George way custom drums uh, and the milestone drums, are they all different types of, well, obviously milestones, fiberglass, are they all different types of woods that differentiate the brands like do you have a strategy as far as like maple and birch and yeah believe it or not there's there's a few things that cross over to all of them but they are all unique uh to themselves danette is and always has been uh metal snare drums now i do the only the only ply snare drum i right from the day i started i promise myself i am not going to make i'm not touching keller i'm not making ply drums and okay yeah the only ones that i've ever made have been the dream time which were they were ply shells but they were it, it it was my homage to brady you know they were australian hardwoods and and i always wanted to there was a curiosity there genuine to see how I, how a denetized one would work. And, and those were, you know, successful. But right now, the only wood that Danette offers is the solid steam bent, the monoply stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. And then with George Way, that opened everything up because that gave me the opportunity to experiment and work within the confines of, of trying to... Uh, be true to the original company where I was able to work with plywoods and, and make ply shells. And when I went over originally, I, I, wow, I went to every North American manufacturer who made drum shells and told them, this is what I need. This is what I want. And I can't say how underwhelmed I was with everything that I saw. I was like, if it's like this, I'm not sure I want to do it, but I did find a, a supplier and, and uh, flew overseas and took, I think I had three or four George Wade drums with me and we sat down at a table with a micrometer and a, and a, and a scale and a, a tape measure. And I said, it has to be this, it has to be these plies, this density, this weight, these dimensions. And they were notes and everything took down. And I thought, well, I'll probably see a prototype in, you know, I don't know, two or three months. And half hour later, the shop foreman ends me a hot shell. And it's like, like this and i'm like wow okay well congratulations gentlemen you've just made a george way drum shell 
And, you know, it's those moments that make it so worth it. I'm like going, oh my God, I can't believe what I just pulled off. This actually worked. Wow. And so that's been the success of George Way. I started with the tuxedo stuff, you know, and then there was only, it was always my intention to, to move in and start doing the aristocrat stuff, but because uh, that would be the only way to move the company forward. It was just finding the, the, the uh, right and appropriate way to do that, which it took some work, but mm -hmm. it happened and, and there they are. So, um, so that's George way. And then now with milestone, uh, milestone is a composite company. They've, they always just made fiberglass. Although spoiler uh, alert, I put okay. this thing here. We are going to be doing this. This is a prototype. And if you can see on the inside there, it looks a little bit like it's got some fiberglass. This is yeah. the first milestone vibrified snare drum shot. Wow. Okay. So it's kind of cool how that is all uh, segued together where Milestone being a composite company had never really embraced that, uh, that uh, designer technology and... Um, of course, you know, that, that particular process uh, was pioneered by Bernie Stone, uh, who did all of Neil's drums, other than the DW ones, all the Ludwig kits and the, and the Tama kits. Interesting story, by the way. I'm going to drop this one on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we might not be having this conversation about Milestone had it not been for uh, a soccer game. Neil came to Vancouver and reached out to uh, Michael Clapham. And he was interested in the milestone drums. Uh, and I'm guessing because he had seen his, you know, local Toronto contemporaries like uh, Jerry Mercer mm -hmm. and uh, Gary McCracken with April Wine and Max Webster. And of course, you've heard milestone drums because that famous uh, duet with Neil Peart and Gary McCracken on Universal Juveniles, where they both played drums simultaneously side by side. Those were milestone drums. But um, uh, Michael declined to bring Neil any drums because his son had a soccer game and they were only in town for one day. And I just have to think sometimes I'm like, going, God, if he had just said, honey, can you take uh, can you take the boy to the soccer game? I, I got to go take a drum to this guy that... Uh, <laughs> It Can you imagine? Changed. I know, man. It could have changed everything. But then, yeah. but then, like you said, you wouldn't be the proud owner of Milestone Drums right now. Possibly. Nope that's that's yeah. that's very true. That's very wow. True. That's you know. Speaking of Neil, um, my next guest in a couple of weeks is none other than our friend Lorne Wheaton. So, kinda, and I, I know you guys are old buds, and I'm just giving a shout out just to. Uh, I think that's going to be on the 14th. Going to have a week off in between, but um lauren for i'm those so of, glad you're doing that because yeah, he is uh yeah what do you say about him he he and i'm fortunate because i know him in a different in a different context than most people who know him but i think he's such a important uh he's just a, a wealth of information and perspective and uh, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I, I've, I've yeah. always, 
brokered for him with uh, with with people like yourself and Drumio. People are like, you should talk to Lauren, man. Like you should, you know. I, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I I've known him, you know, not as long as you, but I've known him. Gosh, probably thirty years, and and you know, just have the utmost respect for him, and and um and so when I when I knew he was retiring, and uh, and I I thought about him. Gosh, like two years ago when I had Yard and um, and uh, Don McCauley and some other drum techs like Harry McCarthy and Jeff Chonis, like I, I thought, you know, Lauren Wheaton is, and anybody who doesn't know who Lauren Wheaton is, he, you know, most, I shouldn't say most notably, but certainly most recently, he's been Neil Peart's uh, drum tech, but he's worked for everybody. I, th- I think I met him when he was working for Mickey Curry in the late 80s or early yeah. 90s. Yeah. And um just a, as you know, as Ron said, just a, a wealth of information and just great salt of the earth human. You know, yeah, he's the he's the, I, ca- I call him the professor's professor. The professor's professor. I love that. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? Um, we're working on it, and he hasn't said no. In fact, I think he's actually said yes. Uh, Lorne was part of the milestone story early on. He told me the story of being in Toronto when I believe it was Gary McCracken got his first kit and it came unassembled. So he said, I remember that having to put that kit together, put the lugs on it. And I have a picture of him sitting behind McCracken's milestone kit. And I'm like, (laughs) we should make a signature drum for you. I hate the word signature, but we should do a Lorne Wheaton milestone. Wouldn't that be cool? Like collaboration. Yeah. 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 So I got my fingers crossed and Hey, who wouldn't, we're talking about a guy who you get a drummer who plays some drums and they get a deal and, and be that what it is. If you're a tech seeing and knowing all of the stuff that you have I'm, I'm thinking wouldn't you want to have that kind of a signature on it it's like hey this guy knows it's not just one drum it's everybody else's drums inside and out so i i i thought that that would be a really cool thing and by the way don't use that r word around him i don't think he'll like that <laughs> all right <laughs> uh so so talking about milestone because we're 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 on that theme what's your uh sort of time frame for getting like stuff out to shops and and delivery and production and those kinds of fun things well as, as of today all the bits and pieces are here i'm only waiting on badges and for this first run of 100 we decided um to do a a cast minted badge. So it's like five millimeters. It's a hood ornament. It's beautiful. And just that classic, plain, beautiful, simplistic uh, milestone logo on it. Uh, all the shells are uh, have all been cast and cut and cleaned and edged and they're on their way here and all of the other components are here. So uh, for the rest of June, I'm probably up uh, into July a little bit. I'll be doing as much production on those as I can. I, I think what I'm going to do, what, what we're going to do, is do a soft launch here in Canada and give the Canadian dealers the first kick at the can. And uh, nice. then when I come back uh, from my yearly sabbatical on the farm, 
uh, I'll be doing, uh, that'll be the, let's kick it into high gear here and, and start getting these drums out. But I have to tell you, um, and I knew this right from the day I, I my first experience with Milestone was as, as a young, you know, late teens drummer in you know, high school that I walked into a, a garage band and, and uh, a guy named Dave, a drummer there who I was a little envious of because he, first of all, he had these drums and I was playing and like, these sound so good. And they're double headed. I don't get this. And they, they, <laughs> I was like, well, they sound amazing. Like, and he was a little bit better drummer than me. So I was like, you know, mm. but anyway, um, double headed. I know. Right. <laughs> I'm so dating myself. You know, no, I get uh, it, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I love the idea that you're giving Canada the first kick of the can. I think that's absolutely the way to go, man. Like that's, it's the home, t the home turf, you know, and, and, uh, you know, launch them there. And then are you going to, you think you'll come back to the States for another one of your little, um, dealer tours that you do? I know you just did one kind of a little short one after Chicago. Yeah, I, I always like doing them. Um, they take a little bit of energy and, and resource to organize, but I, I certainly enjoy it. I, I, I know how this is going to sound, but I mean it. The highlights of those trips are meeting genuine, real working drummers. Um, yeah. Who are, they've got so many fantastic stories and they're all different and unique. And then just the i'm so selective with my dealers because i have so few and uh it just makes it easier to 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 fulfill uh everybody's needs and not compromise the the quality but just the stores and the stories and the drummers that go to those stores just to be able to immerse myself for a day in there and each one of those shops is completely unique you know running from the chicago show you know, I went to Sweetwater and that was like, okay, like I, mm -hmm. this is, this is different. And then to Nelson Drum Shop, where you have a, a, a young entrepreneur by himself uh, up against the odds in, in, in that town. And that place has so much vibe, yeah. so much vibe. <clears throat> And, and Jim going to the gong chamber. Oh, I got some gong therapy. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, if you I, haven't a, had, have you been, been there? I've been, I went there, I've, I went there about 10 years ago and it was, it, he had just sort of opened up that gong room. And I'll tell you, I, I, I don't want to detract from your story, Ron, but it really is, there's something that happens in there, right? I mean, there's an energy that when you, you know, he'd said ahead of time, you gotta, you know how excited Jim is. He's just like, yeah. you gotta come, you gotta come check this out. You, you, you know, and he's hitting all these gongs and then he hits that big giant heisty 60 or 80 inch gong. Was it maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I um, think it's, I think it's a 60. 60. There's, there's like something that happens like an energy that, yeah, I felt it, man. It was like, wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a, it's a little, uh, it was a little unnerving the first time, uh, you know what it's like to go in there and you, you you close your eyes and you're sort of you're feeling a little bit vulnerable and and uh somewhat awkward and this time going back i was like i don't care i'm getting <laughs> close to that thing and i'm going to drink every 
ounce of vibration in it's like yeah i'm closing my eyes i'm taking a deep breath and i'm getting lost and i don't care who's watching and uh great and yeah that uh i felt great for days after that i was like oh you know what i don't know what it is my back doesn't hurt as much from all those hotel beds and i feel uh, a little happier vibration man oh my god Uh, yeah it's not uh I think there's something there. And and I think Jim does too. I think so. And I, I haven't been to Jim's shop. We're talking about Memphis Drum Shop. And uh, I haven't been there in, in about 10 years. And I'd love to go back. Um, I, I don't know when I'm going to be in Memphis. But uh, maybe if you go, I'll meet you there. Yeah. And we'll, well, it's a destination. There's there's so yeah. many reasons to go there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think next year I'm going to uh, maybe follow a bit of different plan. But... Um, there's a drum show in Nashville that um, seems to be getting some traction and uh, that yeah. one's coming up in July. And I was thinking, oh, you know what, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll break it up from the Chicago show and, uh, mm. yeah. and, and just sort of do something down that way. You know, they say, I, and I know from the old summer NAMS that there's no better place to be in July than Nashville. The weather is just beautiful. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's a little warm and a little muggy. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm a cold-blooded lizard, and there's <laughs> there's nothing that I love more than heat and humidity. It's like bring it all of it, all of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do too. I love the I love the warm weather. I just remember going to those summer shows in July and going like, oh my god. You know, it's it's pretty intense. But I, I've heard good things about that show too. I, I'm going to be not able to go, unfortunately, but I, I wish I could, but yeah. Oh, we can't do it at all. Can't we? No, no, but, um, but cool. And I'm sorry. I know you were at Shane's shop last Saturday and I, and, um, I forget we had something going on. I seriously got up that morning and thought I should just jump in the car and go up there, even if it's for an hour, but it's like two hours to get there. So it would have been <clears throat> to see you for an hour, excuse me, would have been really the whole day almost. So I, I couldn't. But. No, no need to apologize. It was those appearances, you know, in those shows, it's like whoever shows up, that's great. I, I have no expectation. Really. Uh, I'm there. I'm there for me, you know, yeah. and, and to reconnect with the store and the staff and, 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 it's a different way to get your get the pulse of of the industry without having to shell out six grand to go to a NAM show. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's easier. And you know, Shane usually has his anniversary, and and uh, that's why I went. I thought because when he he's not having it this year, but when he does have his anniversary thing, it's like a wedding, and you can't talk to him at all. He's like the groom. <laughs> So this was a really great opportunity to, and we did, you know, I went to his house and and we just got to hang and and let the conversation drift in and out to wherever it wanted to go. And there's nothing better than having, you know, two or three hours of that kind of time with somebody um, as opposed to, you know, I've had so many people, I, I know you've had this too. I met you at a NAMM show. I'm like, doesn't count. It does doesn't not ca- count. It doesn't count. That's, that's, yeah, a, I me like and, that. me and, uh, it's like, I, you know, 
Oh yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> you were that guy That's that came right. up to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming back. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's uh but I you know, I think people have the best intentions. They don't realize that you're talking to ten thousand people in one day and you know, and when I used to work those shows, you know, like there's just it's so overwhelming the number of people that you encounter and it's 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 unfortunate too because there are some great conversations right that you do have with people but and those you might remember but it's just hard to remember a, a one-off meeting with somebody which well it's it, it's that appreciation of your show didn't start wednesday during setup or thursday it started months ago and yeah uh, and and it ha and it, especially for me being a, a one-man operation it, it the stress just just to be there i was already stressed thursday morning at 10 o'clock when they when the doors opened i was like okay i got a couple minutes let me get this coffee into me and uh and here we go hang on yeah and uh you know it, it's, it's funny you know this what's always at least what was always rolling around in the back of my head was okay four days and it's teardown and all of that, um, you know, war zone uh, and and packing up and getting things, you know, getting it all back in the box. And yeah, I think there, I do remember this. There were some Sundays where I really wasn't able to talk. It was hard for me to put, I remember actually talking to someone and going, I just had to, can you just give me a minute? I just had to walk away for a minute and just reset. I was like, I can't believe I couldn't even put a sentence together. It's like, okay, just come back. Okay. Now where were we? I just, yeah. Yeah. Let alone even having a voice too. I mean, in many cases, I'm sure when you're trying to talk all day over the din of the noise, by the end of the day, you're like, I've, you know, I've lost my voice many times there. And, and yeah. Yeah. No, it's um well, you know, we're gonna get awarded medals from Nam at some point in our lives. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be oh, yeah. I can decorated. Just, <laughs> I, I can't wait for mine. <laughs> uh, well, Ron, this has been so great, man. I, I um I so appreciate you making time to have a chat today. And uh well, I love what you're doing. I, I, I think yeah, I'm I'm glad you thought of me and I I absolutely did want to do it. I just didn't want to push and uh No, man, absolutely. No, I I'm I'm so happy you wanted to do it, you know, cuz it's it's I I know I'm I'm sensitive to the fact that you you've done a lot of these and you're asked to do a lot a lot of these, so I I don't want to ever assume cuz we're friends, you, you know. But I but I, you know, I, I I think it's great that you were able to talk about some things maybe you don't normally get to talk about too. And, and very true. And I've always enjoyed our conversations. And I was thinking, I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean? Should I ask him what I wanted to do in advance? And I thought, you know what? No, I kind of like those uh, free flowing. And that's what this is a, a conversation. And uh, yeah. I know from talking to you in the past that you tend to bring out the best in me anyway. So I, I wasn't worried about it. I thought he's probably more worried about it than I am. Then he's going to say something. Else. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, thanks for saying that though. No, I, I, 
I've always enjoyed when we get to hang out together and this has been, this has been great. Well, good. I, I, I can't wait to see uh, how it turns out and the response and, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to hearing Lauren's. That's yeah. going to be great. I'll give you a heads up. It's going to be, I, I think we settled on June 14th, probably the same time. And I'll give you a heads up. No, you, you'll be off on your farm, but you'll be able to watch it probably. I assume. Uh, I, will you be, will you be yeah, there? no, I will. I will be there for one week in June during that week, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be checking in and watching. Okay. I, I, I won't miss Lauren for anything. That'll okay. be great. And there's a couple of, um, couple of great comments before we say goodbye here. Um, I, I wanted to mention Therese Demusio, um, daughter of our dear friend, Lenny Demusio, the late, Lenny. great one and only Lenny Demusio. Yeah. Um, had a nice comment and so wonderful to hear Ron's humble words about his industry, about the industry, a treasure to all his dedication to the percussion world. She is Aww. fantastic. That wow, that's really nice. Thank you. She is wonderful. And my friend Penny Lane, who comes to see the band all the time, who is no doubt there the night you came to see us, mm-hmm. has enjoyed this. So there's that. And there's Ralph Angelillo, another Canadian. Yes. So, I'm gonna go, great. I'm gonna go hang out at Ralph's show. I'm really looking forward to that. Great, great. I, I'm going to try to get there. I think I might have a gig that weekend. I don't know. I got to check, but um, I may see you there, possibly. The well, uh, you know, you're always welcome to come up to Canada. Uh, this will be in uh, <laughs> Quebec City. You're welcome to uh, the poutine yeah. and the beer. I love Ralph, man. He, we go back a long ways, and he's yeah. just the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hello, John. Uh, it's Ralph Angelino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's good. That's good. Uh, okay. One right. of these days when we get together in person, we're going to have to do some, I got some, I got some impersonations. I've been getting really good at them. All Scary right. good. Want, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll do them. We'll do them offline. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, again, thanks everybody for watching today. Big hand for Ron Danette and uh, thanks for it. watching everybody. See you in a couple Thank of you. weeks. Yeah. Big hand for Ron and uh, live from my drum room, Modern Drummer Podcast.